Before we start, I was going to pray. Um, Father, I just thank you for this time tonight, and I thank you for this new year, and I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that um, you speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And so I pray tonight that you would speak to each of us. Uh, Lord, I pray you would challenge us, convict us, encourage us. Lord, I pray that we would be doers of the word and not listeners. Help us to be people that are changed, truly changed from the heart. We know we need you so much, God. We know that, um, yeah, it's your desire to, to speak to us and to teach us. And so we pray that that would happen tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been doing a series on the mission of Divergent Church, and it kind of co- comes under this phrase of all-in disciples devoted to his kingdom come. And we've been explaining what that means. And Josh from Turkey uh, did the all-in part. Um, and if you remember, he spoke on the great commandment to love the Lord with all of your heart and to love your neighbors as yourself. Um, and that Jesus' love was a, an all-in love. And so our only adequate response is an all-in response to that love that's been shown to us. And I get to talk on tonight um, on the disciples part of this phrase. Uh, So we're actually going to be going through the Great Commission. So if you want to turn to Matthew 28, we're going to go through that together. And as you're doing this, I just want to ask you this question. Do you want to impact the world? Do you want to impact the world? You know, many of us would have made some New Year's resolutions this year and they've probably already failed. Um, but usually our New Year's resolutions can show some of our priorities and what's important to us. Some are superficial, don't get me wrong, but we make these goals. What is your ultimate mission? How do you see yourself impacting the world? Well, I'd put it to you tonight that Jesus' strategy for you to impact the world is to make disciples. Let me say it again. Jesus' method of impacting the world is through faithful disciples who make disciples. It's not to come up with some strategies of bringing large groups of people into a building and drawing big-name speakers and trying to entertain crowds. No. His strategy is that through us as his disciples that we would make disciples. You know, as a Christian, if your mission this year and for your whole life is not submitted to this ultimate goal of making disciples, then I would say that you've missed the point. You know, every facet of our lives needs to be submitted to the overarching goal, the great commission for the church, us, his disciples, which is to make disciples. Now, perhaps this sparks some images of you leaving your job and wearing sackcloth and getting a flight overseas. And you know what? For some of you, you should probably do that. But for others, um, I'm going to show you tonight that um, this is a call for all of us in all contexts. And it's not left up to a few professional evangelists or even those who are more mature in their faith. It's a call for all of us. So let's read uh, Matthew 28. 16 to 20. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, Jesus was saying this to his 11 disciples on this mountain. And just to go back a bit, um, before this point, we know that Jesus um, was crucified on the cross. And it says that his disciples, they fled, they ran away. And we know that Peter even denies Jesus three times. And uh, you can imagine how they're feeling. Many of them have left to follow Jesus. Many of them have sacrificed a lot and they believed his words and, and now he's dead. And then he raises to life. He does what he said he would do. And the disciples are there and it actually says that they came and they actually came to his feet and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. The only proper response to the, the risen king, the one that would die and, and rise again. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know, we know that Jesus had authority in his teaching. We know that Jesus had authority in healing Authority over demons, authority over creations. Even when he called for the, the ocean and the storms to submit to him, they obeyed him. We know he had the authority to forgive sins. And that's why the Pharisees, when they would hear him say, your sins are forgiven, they would say, blasphemy, because that was only reserved for God. We know he had authority to forgive sins. And this was achieved by his death on the cross. He had the authority to rise from the dead and therefore the authority to give us eternal life. And I love this one, and we sung it in, in, in the song there, and the beautiful name it is, um, the authority to, to rip the curtain in the holy place. It's this picture of us being reconciled to the Father, that through Jesus we're able to come into relationship with Him, that we are no more separate from Him. You know, he's the one that fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies from Isaiah. He said he would do it, and he did it. He said that he would die and that he would rise again three days later, and he did it. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the one that has all authority. All authority. And it goes on and it says, therefore. Now when we see a therefore in scripture, we know to wind back and go, well, what's the therefore about? Well, in light of this reality, in light of the fact that he has all authority in heaven and earth, the one who is able to conquer death, the one that was able to pay for our sins, in light of that fact, the one that said he would do what he did, in light of this reality, therefore. In the Great Commission, we, we say, therefore, go, because we're, we're coming from a place of knowing that our Savior has all authority in heaven on earth. 
when we understand this, when we understand that we are called to go, we realize that we go in the confidence of the authority of him who sent us. We go in the authority of Jesus. We go because of who he is. He is the one with all authority. You know, all of us here today are a result of someone saying, yes, I will go. Every one of us. I don't know if you're saved here tonight, if you, if you know Jesus, but for those of you who are, someone decided to go. Someone decided to be obedient to that call to go, and that is why you are here tonight. We need, we need to dwell on that. Someone decided to be obedient to that call. You know, to go requires faith. You know, these were the same disciples who, who fled and denied Jesus. And here he is and he's saying, you 11, you're my strategy. You're the one that's going to uh, take this to the ends of the earth. You're the ones that I've chosen to make disciples. You can imagine as they're there, as they're seeing him and, and they're imagining what this this holds for them that their master was just crucified on the cross and now he's saying now you go right it requires faith it requires a yes i will it's not a yes i can yes i have ability it's a matter of obedience i will go in light of this authority, in light of the fact that the Savior of the world has rescued me and loved me, I will go and I will proclaim this to others. You know, to go requires sacrifice. Often it's to deny ourselves. It's to deny temporary pleasures. It's to deny status. It's to deny our jobs, our family. And it's to pick up our cross. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 to 25, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. He's calling us to surrender, complete denying of ourselves. When we lose our life, we gain life. He's calling us to go. He's calling us to go and and make disciples. You know, to make disciples, we need to be people that share this good news. We need to be people that are willing to open our mouths and proclaim this good news like the disciples did. Romans 10, from 10 to 15, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I just say, if you're here tonight and you have not called on that name, you can call upon his name. You can call on the name of the Savior and you will be saved. Paul continues, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, we look at verses that talk about our light shining and, and God um, being glorified as a result of our good works. And, and often what you'll hear is people will say, just live the gospel and that's, that's good enough. Now don't hear me wrong here. We must be people that live out this gospel. We must be people that are different and transformed and our good works should give glory to God. But there is a call here for us to share this good news, for us to preach this good news. We must proclaim the good news of Jesus. The gospel is the power to save. I love where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to save. This is a call for all of us. It's not reserved for those who are professional evangelists or those who are more extroverted. It's, it's a call for all of us that we would open our mouth and we would proclaim the good news. You know, often that can be really daunting for many of us, for me included. And often we don't know what to say, we don't know how to say it. But I love that Paul says, you know, I did not come to you with articulate words, but I came and I preached Christ crucified. If you want to know how to share the gospel, preach Christ crucified. Read his word. Share the gospel. Our lives, all of us here who are in Christ, someone decided to go and they decided to share this good news with us. And now it is up to us that we would go and that we would make disciples, that we would share this good news. And what I love about this is that it says of all nations, all nations, the disciples wouldn't have really known what that was going to look like. But here we are 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years afterwards, and we can see now that the gospel has spread and transformed thousands, millions of lives, billions of lives, and it has spread across several cultures. It has gone to all nations. This is a call that we would go into all nations, the whole world. And there's this promise that at the end of time that every nation and tongue will bow before him. You know, there's, there's nations even represented here tonight. It's God's calling us to be, to be about all nations. 
You know, there are three billion people approximately who have never heard the gospel and are considered unreached people. Unreached people. Perhaps God is calling you to go to a nation. You know, I I never think it's by mistake when someone begins to fall in love with a culture or a people begins to be fascinated and, and, and to have a love for a people. Perhaps you have a love for a certain people group. Perhaps you have a love for a certain nation. Have you ever asked yourself, is God calling me to go? You know, we're not about, at Divergent, we're not about filling buildings and sticking around and, and being here 30 years later, although some of us might be here. I'm willing to be here in Canberra in 30 years. We're about sending all out into the world to make disciples of all nations, to multiply, to make disciples. Perhaps God is calling you to do that. And Jesus continues, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And we know that baptism is this gift from God that we um, get to perform, that represents uh, the change that has happened in us internally, that we are born again. And it's this thing as a a church that we we get to do that represents this uh, this salvation. Um, And the beautiful thing about baptism is it's this public declaration of, of committing to following Jesus And it's usually done in a community and it usually shows that I am committing to being part of this community. It's a wonderful thing. And you see here that it's done in the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not done in the authority of Divergent. It's not done in the authority of of Ryan or whoever is, is baptized. You know, Paul talks about this when people were saying, I was baptized by Apollos. Or, oh, I was baptized by Paul, and so therefore I'm a follower of Paul. And Paul is like, what? You're baptized in the name of Jesus. We baptize people not in our own authority. We baptize people in the name singular, I might add. That is a noun that is singular there. It's a beautiful picture of the triune God that He is three in one. This is the authority in which we are baptized. You know, it is God's will that each of you, and I mean each of you, would be involved in baptizing someone. There are no professional baptizers. And I can tell you, you've probably seen some pretty poor baptizing happen. I've I've baptized someone and and double, like, put them under because they didn't go out down properly, you know. This is not a profession, all right? Just throw them under in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That is a call for all of us as his disciples. It's in the authority of his name, not our name. Jesus continues, he says, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Each of you is called to teach others, to obey the words of Jesus. You know, there is a a teaching gift. There are those who are called to teach and to equip the saints. But all of us are called to be people that would teach. If it was left up to a couple people, 
It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. We are all called to be people that know God's word, that open God's word, and to walk with people. It's not done in a formulaic way where we, we get into a classroom and, and that's how you're taught, which, you know, you can do that as well. But the call here is that we would actually walk with people and that we would teach them how to obey. How do you teach someone how to obey something if you're not walking with them? You know, when the rubber hits the road and, and we hear scripture and we know his word and we actually have to obey it, that's when the real work starts. And when you share your life with people and they come to you and they're, they're depressed or they're, they're struggling and a scripture comes to mind and you're able to fill them with that and, and the Holy Spirit works in them, that's what it means to teach, to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. It's in action. And for some of you, that may at times be like, all right, I'm going to share this. I don't know if I'm sharing it properly. I don't know if I'm fully understanding it properly. But you know what? I'm willing to say, I will teach. I will go. I will say yes to this call. I will baptize. I will teach. And finally, Jesus says, very surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. We don't do this alone. It's not by your own ability. It's not by your own authority. We have Christ's spirit with us to the very end of the age. Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I would send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. The Spirit of God is saying, I am with you in this. He is with us to the very end of the age. We don't do this by conjuring up our own ability, but we trust in the Spirit of God to empower us and enable us to go into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. This is not done alone. This is done in the authority of the Spirit that dwells inside of us, that empowers us to walk and to give us the words. It says in Matthew 10, 20, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That is an amazing promise. That when we are obedient to go, that we are obedient to, to speak, that we would know that the Spirit of God, that the Father's Spirit is speaking through us, giving us the words to say. And it also says in Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive power by the Spirit as we trust in Him. The first step is to say, Jesus, in light of your authority in heaven 
and on earth, all authority, I will go in faith. And I will make disciples of all nations. I am willing and I will trust that you will empower me to preach your good news, that you will give me the words, that you will empower me to, to baptize and to walk with people, to help them to understand God's word and to be able to obey Jesus' commands. This is all done by the Spirit. And the, and the other amazing thing is that um, it's done by the Spirit, but it's also done together. You know, the disciples never left and went out by themselves. They always went together. You know, we can't be about this lone wolf, superman kind of Christianity where we go out there and we're going to be a savior to the world. No, we're called to go together. We're called to be a community, a family that goes into the world. We have one another. We have different giftings and strengths and experience. We're, we're here even tonight. This is not about uh, consuming something, but this is about equipping you so that you would go. That is the purpose of a Sunday gathering, that you would be equipped to make disciples. We do it together. I just want to give you some examples of people in Divergent Church that I see, and I'm sure there are so many And I don't say these people's names to bring them glory, but to bring God glory that he would work through their lives. And I think it's really helpful when we see what it looks like. Um, So I think the first example that we can see is Josh and Ange. You know, Josh and Ange left behind their life here in Australia and they took their four children to Turkey, Izmir, Turkey, to reach a Muslim nation. They sacrificed but they went in faith. I can imagine people thought they were pretty darn crazy. But I always love it when I tell someone, and they go, yeah, and they took their four kids as well. So countercultural, and I'm sure that they are continuing to experience the hardship that it is to be in that environment. But it's inspiring. Maybe God is calling you to do that. You know, I, I work for the Salvation Army and um, one of my work colleagues, Taylor, she's part of the Queanbeyan congregation. Don't tell her I told you this because she'll kill me. But, you know, I work with her and, and I'm inspired. She's been saved for three, four years maybe. And I, I work with her and what she does in her office, um, and it's a secular office, trust me. We work in social services, not what you think of the Salvation Army. And she has scriptures all over her office, and the young people come in. We help young people find employment. And they see the scriptures. And one day this young man comes in and he sees the scriptures and he goes, Are you a Christian? And Taylor says, Yes. <laughs> and he says, I've been reading the Bible. Really? Yeah, I decided to read it because I figured if people were willing to die for this, then I should figure out if it's true or not. What? Taylor begins to tell him, God has transformed my life. It's, it's real. Continue to read. I'm praying for you. So encouraging. You know, and one day I came into the office, because I'm not there every day, and, and she said, oh, I started a prayer box. Right. I go in and I see the prayer box in the kitchen. The prayer box is this dodgy little tissue box. And, you know, the, the, the lined uh, pages uh, used for, like, mats and stuff, she's got written on their prayer box and it's just stuck onto this dodgy thing of tissues, right? 
And um, I come in the next week and she says, there's new handwriting. There's new handwriting. Someone's, someone else has asked for prayer. I don't know who it is, but it's different handwriting. And what she does is one of, one of the other um, ladies from the Salvation Army who, who is a believer as well, they, they come together on a Tuesday morning and they, they pray for people in their office. This is what it looks like to make disciples in the workplace. You know, I think of um, Kevin Beth um, in our congregation. You know, recently I was talking to them and, you know, they had their holidays and, and they're pretty, you know, freshly married. And they were talking about how, you know, um, they went away for a trip down the coast. And, you know, being married at times, you, you enjoy just being with each other. And you can be a bit selfish. You just want to be with each other. And, and, and you need that, right? It's Valentine's Day today. Um, but they decided, no, we're going to invite one of the, the guys that's a new believer along. And we're going, to, we're going to bring him and we're going to um, spend that time with him. And, and they said that he just did not stop asking questions the whole time. But they were, they were smiling. What a joy it is to bring someone into their marriage, to serve God together, to be on mission together in their marriage. This is what it looks like to make disciples. You know, there's some guys, um, they're a bit out there at North at the moment and, and some others join in and um, they go out on a Friday night. And they begin to talk to people on the street. And it's uncomfortable. I've been with them. It's scary. People react in all sorts of ways. And they're there and they're sharing the gospel and praying for people. Perhaps God is calling you to do that. You know, I know others that have sacrificed their time or their finances. Perhaps they've taken an extra day off work so that they can be more available. They've denied themselves so that they would take up their cross and that they would prioritize the ultimate mission which is to make disciples and I don't know what you do in your life right now I don't know what spheres of influence you have but can I encourage you do not forget the ultimate mission to make disciples proclaim the good news of the gospel because it is the power to save and to open your life to people that you would walk with them, that you would teach them, that you would baptize them, because this is the joy of a Christian. This is the vital cause of the church, is to go. And it's for all of us. You are the church. You are the temple of God. And can I tell you, when you decide to go, the joy is deep. And when we come before God, at the end of time, you know, I think of C.T. Studd, this, this guy that was a, an amazing cricket player. And he says something on the terms of, well, when I get to heaven, I'm, I'm not going to be rewarded for being a good cricket player. But God is going to look at the way that I used my platform to make disciples. Don't get me wrong, you know, there are things that are, that are good. You can play sport or, or be involved in, in your work. But if it becomes an idol... And, and the ultimate mission is not to make disciples. And I'd encourage you to be reminded to not miss the point of why you are here. Because when we come before God, that is what He will see. That is the fruit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you that... Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And it's upon this foundation, this truth that you said and you did and that you had authority over all things. 
You said that you would die and you would rise again, and you did. You said, Lord, that you would pay for our sin, and you did. All authority. And from this place, Lord, pray that you would enable us to go to make disciples of all nations, to be obedient to your call in our lives. And we come before you, Lord, and we ask you to search our hearts right now. God, we submit every facet of our lives to you right now. And we ask, Lord, am I making disciples? Lord, can you change me? Can you give me a heart for the lost? Can you, can you enable me by your spirit to do these things? In Jesus' name, amen.